Hello there, thanks for joining me today, and this is the Psychology Report. See, in our country, some history has to be kind of recognized and reiterated and rethought. And we put that in the context of some of the things that have been happening in our country here lately, and some of the things that have happened in the news here just within the last week. You know, historically, America is a country that we work on a motto, E Pluribus Unum, from many one. That is, you come from a different country, come from a different culture, different language system, different race, different background, different value system, but you come to America not to live simultaneously side by side and bring your own value system and bring your own court system and everything along with you and then live that way, but you, become, you come to America and you become assimilated, you become incorporated into it, you become mixed and you become melted into one pot, e pluribus unum, from many, one. That's the way our country was formed. That's the way we've operated in our world until somewhat recently. When all of a sudden now we have this idea that people can come from different backgrounds and races and countries and cultures and language groups and bring their own lifestyle with them and live simultaneously and not be incorporated into America, not be incorporated into our way of life, not learning our language, not operating under our rules, under our laws, but under their own rules and laws. Somehow or another, we've got off the mark on this. And I think we need to rethink and reconsider this whole idea of bringing people together and becoming a country and becoming a nation that recognizes difference, but also appreciates difference and then benefits from the differences, rather than to keep people apart and separated, but yet living next door to each other. Because nobody wins that way. Nobody benefits that. Then there's no interaction. Then there's no melting pot, if you will. It's only when we live next door to each other and we become, under, under, we become as one and we come under one ruling, under one law, under one power, under, as if we are under one nation. Now, let's take a look at what's happened here in the news lately that's kind of caught my attention and comes along this particular line. Nebraska. Nebraska had a bill just brought before them, the legislature in Nebraska, which said this, that if you have an alternative sexual lifestyle of some kind, variety of sexual lifestyles, you should have special privilege, you should have special recognition, you should have special opportunities and rights and privileges that other people don't have. And the legislature took a look at this went to a vote and turned it down. Good for them. You see, that only perpetuates this whole idea that you come here, but you live separately. And if you are different, you get more privileges than if you're more of the same as everybody else. So the more that you're different, the more that you are, um, you put forth a different way of life, a different lifestyle, the more opportunity then to have privileges that nobody else has. That doesn't make sense. In Nebraska, said no to that. And I think Nebraska now can set the tone, can set the leadership, they can set the pace, they can set the, uh, the model for the rest of us to say, look it, you're an American, and because you're an American, you have certain rights and you have certain privileges. And you are to be protected. You are to be honored. You are to be respected. You are to be allowed to live your life with respect and with opportunity and in the pursuit of happiness, 
no matter what color hair you is you have what other color skin you may have you know however you like live your life and choose to have a lifestyle it's because you're an American not because you live a certain way and that's where we got off our track and I think I don't know when it was but maybe 10 years ago well, certainly we have increasingly moved in this direction although it started maybe 25 years ago but certainly here we are moving more rapidly in that direction of giving certain people rights and privileges so Nebraska kind of said, said no we're not going to go with that idea you're an American you have an American way of life you have American privileges and that's what it is and then something else came in the news just last week I was listening to the news and a young lady comes on now she was black and she represents an organization that is advocating that black young men and women should have free college education because they're black not because they earn the right of education or because they have scores or they have grades or they have skills or abilities or whatever but because they're black and it's her thesis or her argument that because you're black there are certain ways of having difficulty and um, becoming uh, recognized by the university system and you can't get in and she just thinks that there's obstacles for black people to become college educated well there are obstacles for the black people to become college educated but there are obstacles for white people there are obstacles for a variety of people many many different people have obstacles you see the issue is not to give free education to somebody because they're black it's the idea of addressing the obstacles taking care of those things correcting the obstacles so that the person then has a chance to have a college education so identify the obstacles and address them treat the obstacles eliminate the obstacles but deal with the obstacles just don't kind of skip over them and give free college education because then the obstacles are going to be there forever then she's going to have to come and we'll say that everybody has to have a free job because there are, there are obstacles for black people then she's going to have to come and say well everybody should have free health care because they're obstacles because they're black then the argument is well you should have them free money because they're obstacles for working and getting income you see that that argument is certainly not logical it's the idea that if there are obstacles fine let's identify them and let's address them and let's deal with them whether it's black or whatever background you come from and whatever culture and racial or ethnic or language group you come from it's the pursuit of happiness because you're an American now we also got off the track a little bit when we've let people come in and pursue happiness without ever being an American just kind of come in and demand it come in from another country jump a fence come in and say well I live here now so I should have all the rights and privileges I made it over the border I should have all the rights and privileges because I'm pretty uh, skillful in being deceptive and coming into a country illegally well that's not what our Constitution says we have the pursuit of happiness for the American and if you want to have that right and privilege and opportunity become an American first and then pursue your happiness and pursue your goals in life you see we have this kind of area mixed up in our, our way of thinking now based on that I've given some thought to this issue and I've just taken the black white issue as an example now I can look at it kind of from a psychological point of view and I've studied social psychology and I have friends who are social psychologists and we've talked about this kind of thing and um, 
I've taken these kind of current events and just say, okay, here's, here's maybe some ideas that might help us bring together two cultures, the black and the white culture. Now, it could be any culture. <clears throat> it could be the brown. It could be two different language groups, different religious groups, whatever it might be. doesn't matter. But let's just take the black and white one just as an example because it's a pretty hot potato. Okay, number one is this. If you want to go to college, just set up some scholarships. Let's not just get free education. Let's set up some scholarships like we do for everybody else, you see? And what I would propose is that this young lady that was on the news the other night pursue the scholarship program for her black people by raising $10 million and then distributing those $10 million to 10 different colleges and universities in the major cities of America so that there would be a million dollars per school and that would encourage then the black people to go to those schools, ask for a scholarship, and be awarded a scholarship, and then go on with their education. In other words, let the black people raise scholarships like everybody else raised scholarships in universities. Every university has a scholarship program. And it's available to students for many different reasons, one of which is racial. But you can set up these scholarships specifically for black students and encourage them to go to school and facilitate their education in that manner. So a scholarship program of $10 million, I think it's easy. There are many, many black people who are rich and are wealthy. This is not an impossible goal. All it is, it's a goal that has to be determined to go, go for it and to decide to do it and then start raising the money. $10 million can be raised very simply. Schools raise many, many more million dollars than that for scholarship purposes. But let's start with that anyway. And then it can go on to another 10 and to another 10 and so on. And let that scholarship program come. And if white people want to contribute to that, that's fine. That's good. Anybody can contribute to it. But let's tap the black community to set up scholarships for their own people. Okay, that's number one. Number two is, we have a charter school system. Let's use it to facilitate the black-white interaction and, and integration. So let's set up a school system in which there's a charter school that half the students are black and half the students are white. And half the teachers are black and half the teachers are white. And let's then facilitate that integration of black and white within the school system at the teacher level and at the student level and let's have a strong family program as part of that where parents could volunteer and they contribute and go back to the old PTA sessions and where parents come together and let's facilitate that integration and when you have that integration you're going to have less conflict let's set up a school system which is all all white students but the teachers are all black Let's set up a charter system which is all black students, but the teachers are all white. And let's begin to learn from each other and learn to relate to each other and understand each other and respect each other and be comfortable with each other. And that's going to help bring us together. So our charter school system really could be an answer to this black-white problem. And Betsy Ross, the new Secretary of Education, it's in her lap, and I think it's something that she might want to take a look at because she's a charter school advocate. But we can use the charter school system to address this racial problem that everybody speaks about but doesn't do anything about. Okay, so that's number two. Number three is this. Let's set up a system of 
Public relation firms. Let's take a hundred public relations firms across the country and give them the charter, give them the assignment, give them the uh, uh, program to develop that would advance the black people from a point of view of their desirability. Let them PR, let them, let them put forward the black community as contributing to our culture. The black community is having skills. The black community is having uh, strong intellectual uh, individuals who are teaching in our colleges and our universities and contributing in science and all areas of life. Let's do a PR effort so that the black people in our community have an advocate for them, not to give them something, but to show the world what they are doing and what they have done and what they're achieving and what they have achieved. So that there's an image that's put forth that would be desirable and that people would feel more comfortable and people would have opportunity then to talk and to interact and to use that as a model for young black people coming up and coming forward now. So it's a PR firm issue. Let's put some money into that. Let's, let's set up some firms. Let's start with 100. It might take 500. I don't know. But let's start with 100. Okay, that's number three. Number four is this. It's called the duplex program. I remember my father proposing this program many years back. This probably goes back 50, uh, 60, 70 years ago when he proposed this, is that the government would help a person, a black person, buy a condominium, buy a duplex. That person lives in the one side of the duplex because he owns it. And he rents out the other side of the duplex to another black family. And they live in harmony with each other, but that there's this pride of ownership and that the owner is on site in the duplex and would take care of it and keep it up and make it look good and make it look uh, presentable to the community, but would give not only that black family ownership, but let them share that ownership with another black family by having them come in and rent. And then they, in turn, buy a piece of property such as a duplex, and they do the same thing. They own it, and then they, in turn, rent it out to another black family, and so on it goes down generations. In other words, the pride of ownership, which has always been a very important thing in America, would be granted to the black people and say, use that idea to facilitate yourself and to facilitate a, uh, an upswing in the recognition of the black community within the general community of any country or any state in the nation here. So I call that the duplex program. And then, fourthly or fifthly, I would say let's open an office under the Health and Education and Welfare Department or under HUD um, and put an office of what is called racial advancement and let them set up a model, let them propose models of ways in which the black people can advance themselves and to uh, find uh, opportunities within their culture, within their community, within their state that would help them move forward and become owners of property, become owners of business, become owners of uh, apartment buildings, and that they would grant opportunities for other black people you know, as well. Uh, so it's the idea of giving opportunity not just giving a privilege, not just giving money or giving somebody a, uh, 
a free education or a free meal or a free whatever, but giving people an opportunity so that they can use that opportunity to pursue their happiness. That's the issue. See, it's a matter of, sure we can help. Sure there are obstacles. And the government can help. Private enterprise can help. We all can help. But it's not giving them something free. That's not helping. That's enabling uh, a sense of entitlement and will maintain that standard of life of, of, of low level of living. But let's give them opportunity to advance themselves in many, many different kind of ways, educationally and in work and in businesses, you know, and so on. The churches can do the same thing. The churches can work with this. Private enterprise can work with this. This can be an activity that we can take on as a country. We need, we need a plan. We need people who will do that. We need people who are, would be committed to that. And it has to start from within the black community. It can be helped along the way by the white community. But it's got to come from within the black community. They have to stand up and take the advantage and take the leadership and get this kind of thing off the ground and get it moving forward. And when that happens, we will see the integration. We will see the working together. We will see the acceptance and the respect of two different groups of people. And although I've just spoken about the black and the whites, it could be any nationality, any race, any background whatsoever. It doesn't matter. But we need to take these ideas and begin to apply them at the local level. And it can start anywhere. But if it doesn't start within the black community, it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, it's not going to last. Because the black people have to buy into this kind of an idea. Somebody's got to sell it. So... Now, maybe you have some ideas. Maybe you have some thoughts on these. I'd be glad to hear about that. Or just begin to begin the conversation around your kitchen table or around your home or in your church or in your club or wherever you are at work. Begin the conversation and how you would do it. How would you own how would you run the bank if you owned it? You know, how would you own your community if you owned it? How would you run the, the government if you were president, if you were mayor, if you're the governor? And your goal was to bring together people who are different because of race or because of some kind of background issue, whatever it might be. How would you do it? These are some ideas that I propose, and you have your own. I'd be glad to hear what they might be. Well, anyway, thanks for joining me today. I'd just like one more time to bring your attention to the United Pompeii Foundation. United Pompeii Foundation, that's P-O-M-P-E, by the way. You go to their website and look it up. It's a foundation that is committed raising funds to help young children who cannot develop their muscle system around the lungs and around the heart. And because of that, they often die young or they're very vulnerable. And um, they have to have a medication because their body is deficient. And that medication is um, very expensive, extremely expensive. 